Hey everybody, it is episode 114 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas. I will have a special guest with me today, a woman by the name of Marilyn Faulkner, who is a longtime runner and coach here at Rogue Running. She actually coaches all levels of runners, but her particular specialty in our world is coaching that beginner runner, that person who's starting or maybe restarting after some time away. And I think she does a particularly good job of relating to that level of athlete and helping them take those first steps and build to wherever they might want to go with it. So with this episode, we're going to pretty much jump straight into my discussion with Marilyn and talk about beginner running. I did want to episode, I did want to reference episode 55, another episode that Steve and I did on this topic, which I think covers some of these elements. So there's some overlap, but more, but we'll go into a little bit more depth today about what it takes to get started if you're a beginner. And I think this is relevant for not only those that are new to running, but also those who might need to get back into running or who may just think running sucks and want to figure out a way to make it not suck for them. So hopefully you enjoy this episode or can at least share it with some friends that might need to hear it if they need that little nudge to get started. And so we'll bring Marilyn on in just a second. By way of intro, I did also want to quickly mention that the U.S. Indoor Champs are happening this weekend. If you're listening to this as I post it on a Sunday or a Monday, then the U.S. Champs will have happened this past weekend. And so I would encourage you to go check it out. Go watch the replays on NBC Sports Gold or NBC Sports and be a fan. I'll be talking a little bit more about the results from U.S. Indoors once I actually see them myself on our next episode. So with that quick intro, we're going to jump straight in and talk about beginner running. Welcome, Marilyn, to the show. Good to have you. Marilyn, as I mentioned in our intro, has been a coach for us for a very long time and is one of our coaches for our Couch to 5K program here at Rogue to help those that might be new or returning to running get started. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we jump in with a little more intro on you, Marilyn, I did want to emphasize that this episode is not just for beginners. That's true. And we were just talking offline about how this is really also for anybody who might be more experienced so that hopefully they can either relate and help their friends who might want to get into running or potentially just share this with them so that they have the information they need to start. That's right. And not only that, but perhaps something in here that they haven't thought about or can rewind a little bit on their own training and work in some of these new principles or lines of thought. Yes. First principles. Sometimes (laughs) it's good to have those reminders. So before we jump in and we're just going to cover as, as we again kind of talked about on sort of the who, what, when, why, how Mm -hmm. of starting running, talking about some general principles for a new runner and, and we've covered this a little bit before episode 50, in episode 55, which was about a year ago, but I would say we didn't really do it justice, and we didn't have an expert like you on who really works with these athletes all the time. And so before we jump into that, though, give, give us a little background on, on you as a runner and now as a coach. Sure. Um, well, I've been with Rogue for eight years as a coach and a few more as an athlete. So that's, you know, a decade's worth of running. And the majority of that doing coaching. So I've learned a lot, um, not only from the coaching staff here, but also from all these runners that I've coached. 
And that varies in level from when I started with Rogue, I was coaching beginning triathlon training for women and moved all the way through um, full marathon training and everything in between. The only thing I think I haven't coached here at this point would be the trail program, but I did participate in that for many (laughs) years. So um, it's been nice to have this sort of well-rounded running experience. And in that 10-year time frame, I've had two children and one's on the way. So I've also run through all my pregnancies. So I have that voice as well and um, currently help train and prepare background and um, education for women that are either pre-pregnancy or trying to um, continue their fitness journey through running or other mediums while pregnant. So I've been really privileged to see a lot of different athletes through a lot of different phases in life. So that's what um, I'm doing now. And currently, like you said, I do coach the Couch to 5K, 10K program here at Rogue on an evening and just wrapped today um, full half training for the Austin 3M Houston training. Yeah, you're doing both right now for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is awesome. I think one of your skill sets that translates well for all levels of athletes is your ability to explain Mm -hmm. the basics and help people understand the whys of what we're doing, which is definitely a strength of yours. Uh, Can I also quickly give a shout out to you for you've you've had two kids so far or another on the way both you had without pain meds that's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> completely <laughs> completely free of epidurals yeah. and i remember talking to you about that where you were thinking about the gels you would take and <laughs> yeah. like you treated it like an I endurance did. event <laughs> having exactly a baby without pain meds and yeah. that's incredibly badass mm. <laughs> but oh, thank you. also really really cool so <laughs> Hopefully you don't feel too embarrassed by me outing you there, but that's that's insane. That's insane. I mean, it's awesome that you would make that decision. And Mm -hmm. of course, everybody has to make their own personal decision on that front. But it was just cool to me how you equated what you'd learned from marathon running Mm -hmm. yourself to taking that to a marathon labor situation. (laughs) Well, it really is. It's the definition is the ultimate endurance event. I've always said that about birth. So yeah, I I had to look at it in that way. And I was, I was really thankful that I had my training (laughs) to help me get through that ultimate endurance event. (laughs) And I got one more coming up in three months. So here we go. I'll get my gels ready again. Yes. So (laughs) So amazing. Thank you. There's probably an entire episode on that at some (laughs) point. Right. We could talk about that. (laughs) But, but let's jump in, and, and I want to yeah. start with a little bit of a preamble before we kind of get to the questions that we teed up. I wrote or was interviewed recently for a article that will come out soon in the Statesman about training for the Cap 10K, which is a big capital 10,000, which is a big race here in April in Austin. And the woman writing the article just shared the draft of it with me that will go out in the paper. And one of the quotes she pulled from our discussion was this, this idea that... I talked about how a lot of people say I, I can't run or I'm not a runner. And I talked about how that that's just a story that people tell themselves. And certainly there are those that for whatever reason aren't physically able to run. Mm-hmm. And that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about those that are able to walk or able to move, you know, can, can run for any distance right now, even if it's only 10 yards for those that are physically able. I truly believe that everybody can be a runner if they're willing to take that first step and get support in building their ability to do it. And 
and that's everybody. You know, Bill Bowerman, one of the co-founders of Nike, he used to say, "If you have a body, you're an athlete." Mm-hmm. And I would my corollary to that would be, if you're if you have a body, you're a runner. But a lot of people are afraid to own that, or have been told they're not, or can't, or they're you know, or they've tried and they haven't been able to. And so I want to start there with what's your message to those who might be listening or who might have friends that they know about who sit into that category mm-hmm. uh, that for those people that say, I'm not a runner. Well, that is a great question to ask because that was where my mind kind of started when I started thinking about how to frame this episode. Because, you know, when I'm going around or just, you know, and chatting with people asking what I do and when it comes up as an element of my self that I'm a running coach um, and we're talking about rogue a lot of times the first thing I hear is oh I'm not a runner because or I have this past injury and then a story you know and it's funny to me that that's kind of people's like knee-jerk reaction to just automatically almost admit or say to me I'm not I'm not this and in my mind I'm thinking well but you are (laughs) you know and I know that because I see it all the time here at rogue it's that fear of, you know, not knowing how to approach this that sits in your way. So what I say to a lot of runners, all just about all my groups, when they start or encounter that comment like we're talking about, I ask people to just visualize everything that's in front of them, like right in front of their face, like a pile. And I ask them to put their hand out in front of them, like right in front of their body and just move it to the side, move it out of the way, just dismiss it because you have that ability to make that choice to just let it go. There are a million things we can say or build up in our mind about who we are or aren't. But what's important is what you do, right? The, the method that you're going to commit to in your mind and body to get started with something. And so the big part of that first part of that journey is moving aside all that mental blockage and just go done, dismissed, it's gone. <laughs> and then move forward with a clean slate. And I know that's easy to say, but really, if you can just, you know, the whatever, the, the gal that's all over the new, or Marie Kondo, is that her name? Or Don't know. Spark Joy, or, you know, <laughs> she's like the cleaning gal that like helps oh. you clear everything out of your house. She's the thing <laughs> right. now on Netflix. She's, yeah, anyway, okay. her thing is to clear out clutter and just keep things at Spark Joy, right? right. Like that's her deal. Okay. So um, I just thought, you know, that's also really applicable to running. You just have to move it all away and just be like, we just have to start somewhere. So um, so let's break that down for mm-hmm. a second because I know a lot of people, when I say that, will look at me and they'll be like, well, it's easy for you to say. Right. You know, you're a runner or you're mm-hmm. an athlete or you have some natural ability or maybe, you know, they'll, you know, whatever. You're built like a runner. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. say something like that or for you, you know, it's might be the same thing. You're doing it. Of course, it's easy for you to say that. Mm-hmm. So how would you dispel those things? It's like, well, because you might have those that maybe they think, well, I have to lose weight first or mm-hmm. I have bad knees or I tried it before and I couldn't do it. You know, I deal with injuries too much. So how do you dispel some of those myths that exist in people's minds, which are real and which honestly not mm-hmm. all of them I can personally relate to because I've more or less been active and running in some way, either through sport or through running itself my entire life. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what that feels like to be, to come from an inactive place to, to try to start a routine of activity. Well, I think that my first reaction is 
to explain some of the things that I've seen happen through our couch program or mm -hmm. just beginning athletes in general in you know, the other population I work with of pregnant women, um, that it is possible to do what you think is not possible if you are consistent and if you have a good plan. So if you can find a community that helps you do that, if you don't want to do it on your own, or if you choose to do it on your own by simply making the decision to move through space and time in a positive way, then you can do it. And I think that having a community like we have here at Rogue or that you can find in your own community or that you can find online through a virtual community like through Strava or MyFitnessPal or even just a running buddy or even just telling someone, hey, I want to do this and I'm going to do it and I want you to know that I'm going to do it so that you can help hold me accountable is key. I think just when we exist fully within ourselves. It's easy to just dismiss, you know, the idea of getting started or to have some excuse be king. You know, well, guess what? You're the king or queen. <laughs> so you're in charge. And right. so you can make that decision to say, I'm not going to let that limitation or that thought be in charge of me. But you have to make that conscious decision to do that. So that, I guess that is part of it. But when I see our runners step into this door that have never run, that are perhaps overweight, that are coming back from an injury, that have a million things to do in their job and they're slammed, yet they still choose to walk inside. I think when they experience the community and they experience that they're not going to be alone is really helpful and makes it seem possible all of a sudden. And of course, then we also have our awesome training plans, which work. So that's helpful as well. That's an empowering tool. But if you don't have those things at your access, what I would say is, Make the decision to be in charge, to be the one that's going to move yourself forward and step out of your door. I mean, running is the sport that has the lowest barrier to entry of all. All you have to do is have some shoes and walk outside. Yes, 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 yes. And we've seen it. All, all backgrounds have walked in. The hardest that we like to say is that first one through the door because it is intimidating. Mm -hmm. We've seen all... Everything. Shapes, sizes, backgrounds, ages. Yes. Step in here for the first time and start just by taking that first step. And, and you know, and that would include every story you can imagine from somebody who was, you know, over 400 pounds at one point starting our programming to, to and then would eventually lose, you know, 100 pounds <laughs> working through our program and then eventually doing a marathon. We've seen it all. We've seen yeah. every single scenario you could imagine. And the one commonality, as you say, is that they all just made a decision to do it differently. They did. And they also became a part of the community, which is, I think, such a strong and wonderful motivator. You, know, to you can't do it mind. alone. You can, but it's more fun to do it with <laughs> others. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> it can Fair be done. Because, you know, some people are individuals and don't want like, a part of, you know, what I was thinking through when I was outlining this episode was you know and for me too that a part of running for me sometimes a lot of the times is being alone yet mm. not alone right you know it's like I'm alone when I'm running and I'm just on the trail or in my neighborhood or whatever by myself and that's beautiful but I'm not really alone because I'm out in the world you know I'm, I'm outside I'm outdoors I'm out of I'm a, free from distraction you know I'm not 
I don't have a device, you know, well, besides my Garmin, which I <laughs> need. <laughs> Not always, but <laughs> right, right. I do like that. Can't let go of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I love about it is that you can be in a community, yet individual. So like when you're out on the trail, Town Lake Trail, for example, here in Austin, we have this, I'm sure you've talked about it before, but this wonderful 10 mile trail-ish, it's 10 mile-ish um, loop that goes all around our city. And you can go out for a run and you're by yourself, but you're in the community. So I think that even if you don't have an established like training group like we have at Rogue, you can still have that community feel even in a gym setting, you know, going out and getting into your gym and getting on a treadmill, you're still with others. So that's the difference, you know, I think between feeling isolated and feeling limited in that way and just, you know, being with others, I think is helpful for me personally. Um, but yeah, it's a part of the choice you make again is, you know, how do you want to, how do you want to frame your journey? How do you want to frame that? There are also, I think some myths out there about running. I, I do a talk sometimes with at companies that want me to come in and sometimes I start with this idea that running doesn't have to suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, most people who don't run think running sucks or that it's too painful or they get injured or they mm-hmm. can't do it. They, there's a lot of negative association with it. And my hook <laughs> with the talk is basically it doesn't have to be that way if you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And so that's another point. I think, you know, people come to me and they're like, well, I can't do it. My knees, my bad knees, whatever it may be. Well, science would tell us that movement that load is actually better for your joints mm-hmm. and your bones and your tendons, ligaments, muscles than no load. Not moving is worse for you. Inactivity is worse for you than activity. Mm-hmm. You aren't hurting your knees with the quote unquote pounding of running. What you're doing is actually making your body stronger through that movement. Now, obviously you have to do it the right way. We'll talk more about what the right way looks like later, but this idea that you can't do it because you're going to break is just wrong. I completely agree with that. And um, building structural strength can be a challenge in the beginning. And I encounter that for the first four weeks of any program with an inexperienced runner, that there is going to be some twinging and aching involved. There, Well, not is, but it's likely that something is going to be uncomfortable in the beginning. Why? Because it's a new stimulus on your body, right? That hasn't been present before. But I always like to remind people, my beginners, that running at its very basic definition is, of course, just moving through space and time, right? Moving forward. But on a deeper level, you have to think about running as actually moving both your, mo- your, your body and your mind and even your spirit forward in a positive way and as long as you're making that positive forward progression in all three areas then you're doing it right you know there's not one right or wrong way to get started or to for your journey to unfold right it's just go forward in all ways don't get upset if you're going forward physically but mentally you're having a block or it's, it's just a tough run or you went up a hill and your achilles was hurting you or you know whatever you just have to say okay so I'm moving forward physically positively but my mind isn't going there so how can I make that adjustment for my mind to get with my body and it can be the other way too so if you're just committed 
to positive forward movement, then you're going to be more likely to have success and committing to that. It's not always going to be easy and there are going to be times where it doesn't all click, but knowing that if you're making that effort to move forward in that way, then that's going to be a key for your beginning success. Yeah. So the who is everybody, mm-hmm. everybody who can yeah, stand, everyone. Like everybody you said who can stand on two feet mm-hmm. and the what All you're ages. getting to, which is that, mm-hmm. and I think people get hung up over, well, who's a runner mm-hmm. and, and not, not sort of like once we get to the second question, I can a question of, okay, everybody can be a runner, mm-hmm. but what is running? Does it have to look a certain way to mm-hmm. be considered running or for somebody who's trying to move forward through space to be considered a runner? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of hangups about that. I mean, if you get in the, this is one thing I hate about some corners of our sport mm-hmm. who would say, well, you're not a real runner unless you're doing X, Y, Z, unless you're training for races, unless you're running a certain speed, unless you're not walking, you know, at all there are corners of our sport that get hung up with that definition of what is running and how, what is the activity that would cause somebody to be considered a runner once they've started. Mm -hmm. And that's the bullshit part, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that I think causes people to get hung up because as you said, it's just about moving forward Mm -hmm. and that can look a lot of different ways, right? Yes. Especially Mm -hmm. early on. Yeah. It's definitely, um, you know, something that we hope that people will buy into in the beginning that when you show up, when you get here, you're a runner, you are here, you came, you know, or if you're not here in Austin, Texas, you know, you walk outside, you have your shoes on and you take those first steps. I mean, I would, I would say to those critics or people in the industry that are making those statements, I would say them, you need to turn that around on yourself and look in the mirror. You're not a runner (laughs) right? for not being aware that there are all types of runners and, Anyone that's making the attempt to do something good for their body and journey um, is doing a great job and the right thing, you know, is moving in that running direction. Right. So there. Yeah, there isn't one true definition of a runner because there's not one true definition of a human being or one human being's journey or one human being's way of moving forward, one human being's goals, right? We're all different. So it's going to look different for everyone. There's going to be a different definition of runner for everyone. And what you have to do as a beginner is define, like, what does that mean to me? Does it mean leaving my work five minutes early so I can beat the traffic a little bit to get home at a better time, more light to just get out the door and do a run? Or does it mean that you're going to, you know, if you're a more advanced runner to completely commit to that training schedule, that is challenging. Is that what it means for you? You know, this training cycle or whatever. Um, and I also like, as far as physical, you know, I'm a runner, I'm not a runner. One thing I love about what we teach here, um, at Rogue is that there isn't one physical way to be right. We've kind of touched on that. Some, there's not one right form. There's not one right. Look, there's not one right speed. Everyone is going to look different because we're all built differently. We all have different limitations and goals and um, realities that may be more limiting or provide an opportunity. And so just unlocking, I think what that means for you individually is part of what I think is so beautiful about running is that it can be all about you, you know, yeah. at times, even though you exist in this beautiful community, it's all about what does it mean for me and what I want to do, how, what I want to accomplish. And so if you can define that even on a small level, 
even just a sentence, you know, what is one little thing I want to accomplish through this trial period of getting to be a runner? If you can define that, then it's helpful and it can help move you forward. Yeah. And I have a very broad definition of what, what is the activity of running? Mm -hmm. You know, when people first show up here that first day, it can be 20 minutes of walking. I don't actually care how you move through space. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and for some people, what might be walk considered walking is sort of running for somebody else. At least it feels like it's that kind of tempo. So when people delineate between, well, and I was walking, not running, when people make that Mm -hmm. delineation, I don't really care. And and I guess, you know, if you looked it up in Webster's, maybe there's some way to define Mm -hmm. the distinction, but to me, it doesn't really matter. And sometimes I'll have people tell me, well, I was so proud. I ran the whole way. I didn't mm-hmm. walk at all. And I can appreciate the fact that somebody would have a frame and a uh, frame work for themselves, that that would be a goal. But as a coach, I could care less. Mm-hmm. I could care less. You know, the form that you took in one part of the race versus the form that you took in another part of the race to get to a finish line. If getting to the finish line was the goal, it doesn't really matter to me, like, how you got there. Mm-hmm. And so I always find it interesting when people make that distinction because really, it's as you, as you said earlier, it's just about moving through space, mm-hmm. however that manifests for you. And by some Webster definition, you might be, quote, unquote, walking at some segments and or, quote, unquote, jogging or running in others. But who really cares? Like, it's just about moving forward and then letting the evolution of that movement play out as you become a more trained athlete. And as you become stronger, yep. you know, as you as you c- com- continue to walk into turning into running, interval, you know, training is something that we do here. We try and have you measure sort of where you're at comfortably walking. And when you're ready to run, start running. When you want to stop, then stop and start walking until you recover and then start running again. And all of that walking is going to, if you have the goal in your mind to improve, which most people do when they come to us, is going to translate into running. It will translate that way. But again, if you don't take those first steps as a walker here with us, then you're not going to get to that next step of running, right? So... Absolutely. Like being realistic with where you are is also important because we find with beginners injuries occur when you push on too hard, too fast, too soon. So we recommend doing what's comfortable for you in your current state and your current body, which we want to honor, right? Because you're here and that's what got you here and you're able to move. But when you're ready to start tracking that interval, start tracking it. And then when you're ready to reduce that walk time, then you start reducing it. You do that over a, you know, a set time, a planned journey, you know, whatever, however you define it. We, we have a month long training program here at Rogue that we hope to reduce walk intervals over that set, that set month. And so when you allow yourself to just have cognition around that, then you, there is room for improvement, right? You give yourself a path for success. But you're absolutely right in that just getting started and moving is the goal. Um, and I've never seen it to where someone, never in my, you know, however many years of coaching, eight years of coaching, I've never seen anyone 
just remain a walker. All of our athletes end up saying, hey, okay, I'm getting stronger. This feels good. I feel I have more confidence. I know what I'm doing now, so I'm going to start running. And it happens quickly. Yeah. But we don't want it to happen too fast, right? We want you to follow the you know set plan that we have and for you to follow your intervals and when you feel ready to start running. And sure enough, it's, it, become, it is successful. Yeah, be patient. Mm-hmm. Patience Just is Just think about moving day. through space. Mm-hmm. So who is anybody? The what is moving forward doesn't really matter what Mm -hmm. that looks like and so what about the win how should people think about when to get started and or if there should be parameters around that well um i'll start just with the bottom line of my message on the win and that is making sure that you whatever whenever it is that you decide to run that you make make the time for it and make it a priority. That's going to be the key to success. So we can start off by talking about that. Mm-hmm. So there's never going to be a time where you don't have other commitments. You don't have other things to do with your job, family, etc. You just have to prioritize when you've decided to run on certain days and commit to it and say nothing is going to stop that. When it doesn't work is when it's the other way around. When you say, gosh, I've got to do this. I've got to go to the store. I have to do this deadline. I have to, you know, take this kid here. I have to, um, you know, be at work at this hour. So then I can't blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Instead, you just have to say, you know what, no matter what, with some flexibility, I'm going to make it on these two days, say just starting with two days or even one day, this is my time to run and nothing's going to interrupt it. And when you allow for that to happen, the the rest is going to follow the rest of your success is going to start falling into place. It's not like you're just going to, oh, I made the decision to run one day and now I'm you know, perfect. Right. Everything's great. It takes you know a lot of adjustment within your life, but that's the beauty of getting started with running is that when you start it and when you see the rewards that it's going to bring to you, better sleep, um, more patience, better health, time outside, um, weight loss, you know, gaining muscle, feeling better endorphins all those things that come from running you're gonna go oh, okay this is a good thing you know i'm liking this and then in, in turn that will reinforce your commitment to having started so um create a routine yes creating a routine think so, about your routine so doing that i also like to say you know if you have a training schedule if you're with an organization that has that try to stick to it as best you can within allowing running to become a part of life you know again with flexibility Um, but there's other things other than just like, I do it on Tuesday. I run on Tuesday at six o'clock every Tuesday. You know, there's more to that. It's Mm -hmm. well run when you need to be alone, you know, run when you need a break. Like we were talking about earlier, um, run when you want to be in that community, but not in that community. Or, um, one thing that I've, you know, heard you say time and time again, which I love, which is a part of your coaching strategy is when your goal is big enough to scare you to do it, you know, to motivate you to want to do it. So if you've got a goal, if you have a race, something you're aiming for, um, you know what, if you don't commit to what you're doing, you may not reach that goal. So it's good to set a goal to kind of make you pick a timeline, Mm -hmm. right? Give yourself a deadline of sorts. Exactly. Put it far enough out that it's doesn't feel too scary, but Mm -hmm. close enough also that you have to do the work to get there. You know, if you're going to think about doing a first 5k, I think a three month window, you know, sure. Pick a race three months out. 
and then commit to a routine. It could be a program that you sign up for. It could be an app that you follow Mm -hmm. to get to that race so that you have a deadline, something to hold you accountable to getting there. And another thing I always like to stress with my runners um, on the win is consistency is what's most important with starting running. I think at any at any level of running, consistency brings results, period. So even if on your schedule or in your mind, whatever you've created, if you said, gosh, I'm going to go out and run for two miles a day, and that, that was your goal. Well, if life throws you a curveball and you don't have that time, just get out there for 20 minutes. 20 minutes can bring, especially when you're beginning, can bring a fitness gain. So that consistent, um, st- not stress, but building on your ligaments, muscles, and tendons, that 20 minute interval on a consistent basis can really bring you something. So don't dismiss the day or the goal or, you know, the time you're going to go out to run. If you're, oh, never mind, I can't do those full two miles. So I don't have time. I'm just not going to do it. Please don't do that. Instead, just get out and run 20 minutes. And typically if you're out there for 20, it's going to turn into longer, you know, because you, you get that start, you got that warm up, you're out there already, you've got all your gear on. <laughs> you know, you might as well Some, go ahead and go longer. Something is always better <laughs> than nothing, I like right. to say. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have two miles on the plan, can't do two, do one. Right. If you have 30 minutes, can't do 30, do 20. Something is always better than nothing. And as you say, sometimes you end up getting out there and you go longer and it all works out, but sometimes it, it doesn't. doesn't. And yeah. sometimes it's just about squeezing in what you can. And that is always dramatically better than nothing mm-hmm. because it, one gives you some load and two it also keeps you in that routine that's exactly right i agree so the one thing i want so i wanted to talk about here just that idea of what are some examples of ways to to fit this in so that it doesn't become cumbersome you know what are creative ways to build this kind of thing into your routine and that's where i think sometimes we as humans generally when we have goals struggle because we think well i have to carve out this dedicated time from an already busy schedule and and in in my world with more experienced runners oftentimes it manifests in the idea of uh, where am i going to do strength training mm-hmm. when you know i don't have time to do an extra class for that or pay for an extra gym access or whatever it may be and one lesson I got from John Shrupp, who's been a coach here, is that, hey, you know, those types of things can be done anywhere at any time, you know. And so it might be doing calf raises while you're standing in the line at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be doing lunges, you know, around the playroom while you're watching your kids play at night before bedtime. Right. It's it's actually easy if you're creative to build in activity to your life. It could mean if you have to, to make a, call for business or pleasure you need to talk to your mom that you go out and you walk 20 minutes while you're on the phone with your mom if that's your starting place for movement so you can multitask it potentially and so i would encourage people to also be creative about where things can fit because i think sometimes we get too siloed when this is my time for running this is my time for x it's like no you can sometimes merge those things and fit fit it in that's so true and it's just the way that our lifestyles are evolving towards right like we are creatures of multitask i mean that's just the way that with social media with all of the information outlets that we have um the way the business now is 
we're all asked to do many things at once. So it's okay to, you know, let that bleed over into your running. And again, just not using the, I've got this X task that I'm supposed to be doing right now as the excuse and instead as the opportunity, which is exactly what you're describing. You know, when you're out, um, just out and about, right? Like with your children, if you have children, um, you know, do a run in the stroller instead of taking them for a walk in the stroller. Or if you're a professional, you know, just get to work 20 to 30 minutes earlier when no one's there anyway. Do, you know, run around your building when you're traveling, like get off, get on the treadmill at the hotel gym. You know, you're not going to miss those 20 minutes that you were 30 <laughs> minutes that you would have, you know, been watching whatever friends on staring repeat. at Facebook. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doing your, your scrolling your feed. I mean, you know, and you know what, guess what? On a treadmill, you can still do those things. <laughs> yeah, do those yeah. things. So, um, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's just all about finding those little places where you can fit that stuff in to make it more consistent. Right. I think but it's also helpful to f- in, you know, potential for some of your routine is to find a friend that you can meet. Yes. For that accountability. It's like, hey, we're going to meet every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and we're going to do 20 minutes or whatever it is together. That way you have the accountability built in of somebody who's on the journey with you, but also somebody who's going to text you when you're not there mm-hmm. <laughs> and hold you accountable to that time. It makes it so much more fun, for sure, you know, to be with someone. Even if, if you don't have that person to start, I mean, gosh, we're all connected on these devices. You know, you can share your journey as well there. Say, yes, today I did it. You know, you want to do it every time probably, but it's okay to be proud of the fact that you're starting to run and that you want to share that, you know, success with others. And so if you want to do a little selfie of your beautiful sunrise pick, you know, on your 5.30 a.m. run, guess what? Guess what I did this morning instead <laughs> of dreaming, Guilty. you know, yeah, here we are. Like we get to have this beautiful photo and be proud and that, and it's fun to share. So you know, even if you don't have a friend that's committing to the journey with you, you've got friends that are in support of you and you being the best person you can be. And if that's the choice that you want to make to have movement be a part of that journey, then people are going to be cheering you on and always that's going to help you commit and, you know, to what you've decided to do and to be excited about it with you. The consistency that you mentioned is key, though. The, mm-hmm. that, as you said, it's the number one metric for improvement in this sport, regardless of whether you're new or whether you're a veteran. Doing it, any of it, week in and week out, month in, month out, ultimately year in, year out, is going to make you better over the long long haul. And if you can't establish that consistency, then it, it's going to be tough. It is. And, and I think it's a, it's a good lesson when you aren't able to be consistent. Because you really do see the difference between a runner that was consistent and that wasn't. And it's also a good opportunity for us as coaches to have conversations with people that weren't able to be consistent for whatever reason, whether it was by their own choice or not, um, to face that, you know, and understand that that is a, a part of the success in this sport, like you said. And so then if it was something if it were things that were in your control, which I think a lot of time it is, you know, we do have a lot of things that are in our control. Um, as far as these limiters that get in our way of running, it's a great way to take a look at where are you prioritizing and how can we relook at some of the, the ways that we're putting things ahead of our own self, of our own health, of our own goals, our own potential happiness 
So it's bigger than just, I couldn't make my run. Well, it's more than that. It's, I may not, you know, I might have that mental anguish of not meeting my goal or the disappointment I'm going to have to face of not, you know, losing the weight that I wanted to lose or not sleeping as well because I haven't been able to get out there and just be physical. There's so much of a key to happiness is just physical movement, right? So um, it's good to know that there are two different ways that we can talk about it. You know, you can, at the end of the day, you can talk to yourself or your coach or whoever about, I was consistent and these are the results or I wasn't consistent. And these are mm. the results. And so think about that end conversation and where do you want to be? And I think that's also a good motivator to be consistent with your, with your training. And not only that, but being consistent also helps avoid injury, which is so important when getting started. If you just are s- slow and low with your training, train on appropriate intervals for what feels good to you. Um, and just allowing yourself to get stronger and committing to that, then that's where you're going to have a safe journey as far as not getting injured. Cause we don't want to, there are people who do the opposite, right? Who are so excited. Most people make that mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you end up with an, a runner that's then injured and then out for six to eight weeks or whatever, because they were too hard, too fast, wanted to meet a certain time goal right away. And we have to just explain, and I hope to explain to you know, you all here as well. That's just not how it works with running. It just takes time. You know, we, follow have for many years followed the literature principle right and that you've got to build that base in the beginning for your training and you you can't chip away at that base by with a big chisel of of speed and explosive you know workouts and bunch of distance at first because you haven't gotten that that base structural strength so that's what we need to work on and commit to in the beginning when we're getting started low and slow miles and knowing that that's going to take you to all those other goals of speed of distance that is all going to come from it we'll get to that more in a second have you ever regretted a run marilyn i have actually have you? um yeah tell i have like me. a very clear example of this tell me okay so um it was like right when i started running um and i didn't really understand you know training principles yet and it was a really hot June summer day. It was Moody or the, what's it called? Maudie's Moonlight Margarita Run. <laughs> okay. And um, this is a 5K in town. Yeah, 5K in town. And, you know, I've always, um, I'm 5'2". I'm pretty small frame. Um, and I've, but I've always just been, you know, for my size, I guess, like a, a little fast little runner. You know, I can get, I can go fast if, if my training dictates that, right? If I've trained to be fast and I'm loyal to my training. Then I can be, for me, you know, for my definition of, of fast, right? So my own definition of fast and my own PR goals, I've been coming, coming up to this 5K without having trained very much, just knowing that I ran, you know, in my background life in college and whatever and young adulthood. And I went up to that line and just shot out of the gate, <laughs> you know, just fast, just going like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this feels so good. This is so much fun. I love this. And sure enough, you know, about round mile, two and a half or so, the wheels start to come off, right? <laughs> like your body is just collapsing. Like you, you're, the lactic acid is so built up, like you really can't move forward anymore. And then, and then everyone just, whoom, starts passing you, passing, passing. You're <laughs> just dropping back and back. And the people that you started the race with that you thought, oh my gosh, they don't really know much about running. <laughs> and, you know, they start passing you and you're like, wow, I really made a mistake. <laughs> so I had very little training. No kind of plan surrounding nutrition or hydration, you know, just go was the thing. And that was too hard, too fast, too soon. Right. And I will never forget that race. And many years later, 
I came back and did that race again. I'll have several times. It's a great race in town. Um, but it's always been what I define as like my vendetta race. You know, like <laughs> I go back and, and, um, but, I but you, but you don't really you regret it though, Marilyn, no, right? Because you learned so not. much from it. Absolutely. So it really wasn't regret. It was more maybe disappointment in the oh, okay. moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. you That's know, a better way to maybe, it. you know, swallowing a little bit of pride and ego, but ultimately I'm sure you value that experience because it taught you a lesson Absolutely. or a series of lessons that you, that you now Mm-hmm. have made you stronger right right and have kept me kept me in but gosh regretting a <laughs> race that's hard to say i mean or i run at all i mean i'm run? just saying i've yeah. never regretted know, getting out think. there yeah never <laughs> I like, ever i was like uh-oh i'm trying to think in my head no like, you're fine i mean even the <laughs> even the worst <laughs> conditions like i've just never regretted me neither yeah i've, I've regretted not doing a run so mm. many times when i decided to skip or sleep in or hit snooze or missed my alarm or right didn't go for whatever reason. I've regretted not running, but I've never regretted running. No, no, Chris, me neither. I certainly haven't either. And you it's like always once you get out there, you're so like, good. oh, yeah, you feel good. And even yeah. if it didn't go well, at least you're like, man, I worked. Yes, <laughs> you know? I did it. And I worked. I did it. Well. I learned something. And yeah. so that's sort of my point here is that y- you're not going to regret getting out there. No. If you just commit to that routine, one of my friends would always say it's like chris you got to choose the pain of discipline or -hmm. the pain of regret (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you choose the pain of discipline you never regret it but if you choose missing and not being disciplined then you always regret it that is so true i love that statement so so that's sort of the win now and consistently right on a routine the where what about the where Mm -hmm. you know i think this comes up a lot for people are like well where do I do it? You know, or I, maybe they think I don't have a safe place to do it. Mm -hmm. So what do you advise there? Well, you know, I think that you have to, everyone has to take their own individual situation and, and decide what's best for you. So I think the where is always going to correlate with just do it. Right. So we want to find someplace, obviously, like you said, that's safe. I mean, that's key, right? So that might be depending on your, situation that may be indoors you know or because right now let's say you're living in the polar vortex you know that's happening <laughs> right. right now well Mi- we probably don't want to go 60, yeah. yeah go out in that <laughs> or you know um you only have time at night yet you know you don't want to go out in a i don't know like an unsafe area of town where you may live at nighttime or or you're traveling and you're in a hotel and you don't have good surroundings or whatever um the where to me is just where wherever is accessible for you to do it where you feel safe. So um, usually the lowest barrier to entry, like we were saying, is just right out of your front door, right? If you can. Um, If that doesn't work for you, then you can think about spaces like a track in town. Most places have a public school track, a high school or a middle school where that exists. And that's a public space where there's probably going to be other people. So it could be a good place to get started. if you have running trails in your town, trails a great place to get started for beginners um, because it sort of breaks up the monotony of just pa- pounding pavement, right? It's something a little bit different for your mind to focus on. Um, and that could also, will of course, involve walking in the beginning until you get your feet under those rocks and roots and all that. Um, there's also um, a gym, you know, environment like we were talking about. A lot of places will have an indoor running track, even if it's short. Or, um, you know, if your kid is at, or whoever, you know, whomever you're with, 
at the time, if they're in a large building, just go around the perimeter of the building. You know, that's another thing. Um, utilizing just whatever is available to you. But the general answer would be outside in a neighborhood, hopefully in a place where there's not a ton of traffic, so it's safe. Um, or, you know, within a training group where there's planned routes, you know, for you. If you have a route that someone has created, by all means, use it. Another great resource is using uh, online communities, you know, like MyFitnessPal or um, Matt Strava, Run. Matt My Run. Matt My Run's, yeah, one of my favorite ones when I go to p- someplace where I'm not, you know, familiar with. Um, to just look up what the users there have posted, you know, have a good place to run for a certain distance. Those are so helpful. Yeah, Map My Run has a great mm-hmm. search tool where you can basically choose like location, distance, yeah. terrain, mm-hmm. and do a search in your area to find routes. And I think that's an underutilized resource because I think a lot of times we think we know mm-hmm. where people run or where the options are. But even now, I constantly discover new places in Austin to run, not mm-hmm. necessarily r- streets. Cause we're pretty thorough about mm-hmm. hitting all the streets in town, but you know, but I'll see people post about a trail that I've never heard of. I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, and I'm about to train for a trail race. Like I need to go check that out. That's nothing. That's nothing I ever knew about. And so just opening up your eyes at, and, and, and finding local resources, you can call the local running store right. and say, yes. hey, you know, where are good places to run? Where do where do people go? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think recognizing that you probably don't know all the options mm-hmm. and seeking out those resources, whether they be online or just giving a call to that local running store, I think that can be hugely valuable, just opening up the possibilities. And it's also f- more fun, you know? It's like I'm someone who hates retreading mm-hmm. <laughs> routes or, or, you know, I hate doing out and backs because... I just like new terrain. And so I'm constantly trying out new routes or new roads or going in new directions. And that keeps it interesting for me. And if I don't do that, then I get, it gets really monotonous and it's not any fun. So I would encourage, especially a new person to yeah, find your, find your niche where you know your go-tos, mm-hmm, you know, that are exactly. close to home or out your door, whatever it may be. But then also explore a little bit and try some new things and see what you find. It is an awesome way to get to know your city where you live by foot. You'll see things in a different way. You'll get to, you know, experience the different neighborhoods, you know, around your town or opportunities where where you can learn about. That's one of the things I remember I loved the most whenever I started doing long runs with Rogue was just discovering the city by foot. You know, it's such a neat opportunity. So that's just an added benefit, right, to becoming being a beginning runner is just seeing your own area in a different way yeah and if you do travel mm-hmm. that's my favorite way to see a new city is just oh, get definitely. out on foot mm-hmm. even if it means starting by walking or doing a walk run because i'm not exactly sure where i'm going mm-hmm. but that's 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 a fun way just keep it interesting keep it fun think holistically it doesn't have to look a certain way and yes. i encourage people to mix it up a little bit there to keep it to keep it fun so that's the where essentially anywhere <laughs> but yeah. but find your find your spots and then you know let's talk about the how mm-hmm. you know which is i think the meat of maybe where a lot of questions come you've already teed up this idea that you got to start slowly mm-hmm. and i think that's the number one mistake people make when they start a program is that they think they have to go fast to get a benefit or to 
or to feel like they're actually doing it. You know, they have to suffer and, and, and be in pain. Mm-hmm. And if they're not in pain, it's not working or they're somehow not achieving anything. And, and that is the worst thing you can do. You right. know, the number one variable, you know, besides consistency in getting started in a program is to start slowly well within your wheelhouse of whatever you can do from a pace perspective or, or from a walk run combo perspective, you shouldn't finish any of these initial runs, walks, workouts, however you want to define that word or use whatever word you want to use. You shouldn't feel finish any of them feeling so beat up or so spent that you couldn't go a little bit longer. Right. And so let's just start there. You know, how do people make sure they're starting slowly enough? Well, um, I think that that just requires a little bit of trial and error in the beginning and thinking, I'm not going to overshoot this right now. I'm going to undershoot it. And I think that's actually a welcome concept for a lot of beginners because it kind of takes some of the pressure off. You know, we here at Rogue in our intro program, our Couch to 5K, 10K program have a tiered training system that has specific instructions about if you're just starting, keep it at this level or, you know, you can, you're defined as this certain level if you can run for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. So I think having like some, um, some parameters, whether they're set for you or you set them there yourself in the beginning can be helpful. Um, and saying, I'm not going to go over that parameter. So that's why I always like to encourage runners to just start with what feels comfortable. Like let your body govern what makes sense run gently and steadily in the beginning as you can because we can pretty much all you know we don't we don't have to start from a walk i mean we can we can start jogging you know just from our, a standing position right and so just start doing just start jogging at a comfortable pace and what we defined um that is is you know a nice conversational pace so if you're running with someone at your side you can carry on a conversation with them and you're don't sound like this. So you don't want to sound like that when you're talking to them, right? It's just a normal conversation. And if you're getting that breathy, can't really carry the conversation tone, then you just need to dial back your effort a little bit. And if you're by yourself, that's a little hard to gauge, harder to gauge, but, um, you know, maximum uh, open mouth breathing is kind of a good physical cue of like going too hard in the beginning, right? Like if you're at your, like 80 to 85% maximum exertion level, you're, you're likely open mouth breathing, you know, breathing hard. But if you can breathe comfortably, like in, in a controlled sense while you're running, that's also a good governor of, is this an appropriate pace for me? So what do you do when it gets out of control? So in that case, you just dial down your effort a little bit. You just start, you just bring it down a notch. You know, it's like, we just like to say, maybe frankly. walk if you need to, you can walk if you need to, you can jog a little slower um, and the key to that, you know, knowing when to move on to the next piece, like coming back to your run, maybe at a slower pace is run when you start to feel comfortable, when you're, when you start to feel a bit more recovered, you're not feeling all the heat throughout your body. Your heart isn't pounding quite as fast. Your breath has slowed some, but it's not like it was when you were standing still, obviously, cause we're still in anaerobic, in anaerobic activity. So just start from where you 
think, you know, you're comfortable. Don't go too hard to where you're pushing so hard that you're having some of those limit limiting cues like we just talked about. But instead, start a little bit under that. You know, just allow yourself to just run easy for as long as you want, stop, and then start again. Or if you don't need to stop, then don't. Just keep going. And for your set, you know, specific, whatever you've set for yourself amount of time, a good beginning run time, I think, is a good way to start is just 20 minutes. You know, 20 to 30 minute. On our very first day one of our programs, we have our very beginning people doing a 20 minute run. 10 minutes out, 10 minutes back. So that's a good, you know, way to start if you haven't done anything. If you've gone longer, then you can stretch that time interval out a bit. But you do have to have some type of thought around, is this comfortable or is this not? And that's kind of the baseline question to define when do I stop and when do I start? Two questions. One, Mm -hmm. some people will say, Marilyn, you're crazy. There's no way I can talk running, (laughs) period. Like, I don't even understand. I can't even conceptualize that. How is that possible that I could speak while I'm running? It's so foreign, especially for somebody new. So what would you say to that person? Well, um, I'll, I would say that it is possible. <laughs> you know, I would say we see it all the time. Um, it, it does happen. Um, it's a good way to go the pace that's appropriate for you. So, and that might be walking, you know, if you can't do it, then perhaps we need to begin with walking and then just pepper in our intervals of running, like maybe just 30 seconds period of running followed by a walk or a minutes, you know, period of walking followed by a run or excuse me, a walk. Um, so I would just say, I don't, I, I guess that's kind of a hard question because I say I, I see it all the time. So I know <laughs> sure. that it is possible. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not possible if you're going too hard. Right. So then you've got to then back off. However back. that may yeah. mean, you may, mm-hmm. it might mean walking and that's okay. Some people also, I know, want to get really specific about run walk intervals, mm-hmm. you know, and I assume you get this question. Well, what, what should my interval be? You know, how many minutes running, how many minutes mm-hmm. walking? How do you address that need or for somebody who wants something more prescriptive on run walk? Well, for those runners, I just go back to um, the fact that you are your own governor, right? You have you have to set your interval in the beginning. So I recommend that runners bring a timing device on day one, whether that's a Timex watch or your phone or a Garmin or whatever, something that can track time. So you're not counting, which would I guess you could do, but would be very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what we want you to do is have some type of way to see where your comfort level is in the beginning. I always recommend run until, like I've said, you know, run until you're not comfortable anymore and it feels out, you know, if you feel out of control at any time, bring it down and then stop and walk. So how long was that run? You know, and then walk for a bit. And then when you get to see how long that walk was, then you've got one interval, right? Then you do it again and you start to see, is there any consistency? If there's not, then you can, you know, try and think of some type of interval that you think might work for you, you know, based on that trial literal run, right? So say, okay, kind of what I saw was I ran for about 10 minutes and then I got really uncomfortable and I walked for five and then I ran for like, you know, six and then I walked for about four five, you know, and so if you see that there's not a whole lot of consistency, you just kind of look at that total aggregate number of time that you walked and the aggregate time that you ran, divide it by the number of intervals that you have, and you can come up with some type of average to try out 
as a structured interval, if that's something that motivates you, because there are runners that need and want some type of structure to it. But, um, and that will actually, it will happen. Um, but I like to always encourage to not start off. We at rogue, we don't define an interval right away of we're going to run five. We're going to walk two. period. Yep. That just doesn't work. Um, right. for everyone. It's very individual. Yeah. It is an individual, individual basis. So, um, see what you're doing see what is normal for you if you're not seeing any kind of clear pattern then again like do some math behind it and see if you can find something that gives you a little bit more structure so talked about starting easy Mm -hmm. how many days would you tell somebody to start with well A a week yeah that's a good question um i guess my response to that is also it depends on what else you're doing activity wise we at rogue like to see some type of cross training worked within running that can support your running support your structural strength like we've talked about some in this podcast um and something that can also be restorative you know whether it's just walking your dog or doing a yoga class something that can give you a a slow low interval benefit such as like i said walking or stretching which can bring such a wonderful benefit to your body when you're putting all this new stimulus on it stimuli um but i would say that for on the on the most part three to four days i would say three minimum is what i'd like to see Mm -hmm. you know from my my new runners our program writes in a little bit more than three days a week for running from the very start and i i love to see that if it works with your lifestyle But what's most important to me as the coach and someone that wants to see you succeed just in life and, you know, as a friend here at Rogue is to allow the running journey to become a part of your life. So if four days or whatever, however, five, that's too much, then then that's too much. You know, it's it's good to try and start with something that you can do and will do while incorporating this whole new thing into your into your lifestyle so three days is my recommendation you know you'll have a a here with our training programs we've got one day that's built in as a quality workout where we're doing some of more of our fast running or specialized stuff on the hills or just working on a certain skill and another day we'll have a longer run that we we, we want to you know define as what we call our long run day and that's going to be your mileage that incrementally increases with little drops you know throughout that we define as recovery weeks long, and then long being a relative term to whatever your starting absolutely. point our, our yeah. long runs for our, our beginning runners are one to two miles you know a range yep. lower lowest is one and highest yep. is two yep. for week one so um and again rel- completely relative to you um and then we have one more day which is going to support your long run and that we, we define as a, the medium long run right it's a percentage of the long run we don't have to get that technical in the beginning right just three days of running is going to again like add to that consistency of that constant stimulus on your body that your body needs to develop to be a structural a structurally sound runner right that's something that we i learned at least from john shrub really yeah. well so um it's something that was, it's, you know, important to do to commit to that so that your knees aren't aching like you were talking about in the beginning. It's that strength that we allow ourselves to have that comes from the consistency. So, yeah, I would, my recommendation is three. If you can do four, then that would be awesome. And 
or three running, one day cross training, as you said, right. some sort of other activity. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned earlier, the consistent routine is important. One thing I do want to point out here is that some people might, you know, and if they're doing their their efforts easy enough, then they'll be able to minimize this. But they're you're going to see as a new runner that you might have some soreness lingering, mm-hmm. you know, on that second day or that third day, or it might pop up at some point when you've maybe too aggressively switched your intervals in some way. And one thing I want to remind people is that when your muscles are hurting like that, the best thing you could do is go out and move easy again. Yes. Not doing anything is actually less productive for them than going out and then moving easy again. I say it often. I say it maybe too much to my runners. Movement equals blood flow equals healing. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a little bit sore from that day before, still go out the next day, but just start even easier. Start at a walk if that's what you need to to sort of work the legs out and get them moving again and, and have some of that soreness dissipate. But getting back out that next time versus skipping it because you're quote-unquote too sore mm-hmm. is going to be so much better for you not just for consistency purposes but also actually recovering from that prior soreness such a good point i completely agree with that what we say is um i think it's like motion is lotion right like that's our little <laughs> I like that. that's our little rhyme that we use motion is lotion <laughs> yeah. that's even better than mine <laughs> or is it, yeah. so <laughs> motion, um, is lotion. Yeah. motion is lotion trademark so that maryland <laughs> Well, I, I think I learned it from someone over okay. here. I don't know who. Nice. <laughs> I probably did, so I, I can't trademark it. it. But I will say <laughs> that it is true. I mean, it's exactly right. And that's not a reason to quit because you're sore. You know, that just means that you're seeing changes in your body. They're happening. And again, yeah, like you said, just making that adjustment is what's so important um, to just continue and to allow your body to just get used to it. And you know what? As you are consistent, that happens less and less frequently. Yeah. And you will not feel that, you know, for as long as you think you might. And don't let that make you quit because that that's just the side effect of getting stronger. Yep. So three days running, easy running as the foundation. You mentioned the fact that we have what we call a quality day in mm-hmm. our programming, which scales according to ability, but where people do a little faster running. It's not just purely easy running. It's faster running in doses mm-hmm. with recovery and it's managed in a way that builds and that scales according to ability. When should somebody, if they're training on their own, considers adding that to their routine or should they? I think that it's a great thing to add in. And I would venture to say from the beginning, you know, okay. it's okay to do that in a very controlled way. And the, the reason I say that is because we do that here. I would say maybe the first week, no, you know, but as you go through your training, to me, I think it's great to have something that is that you're going to be proud of, you know, that you accomplished, that you did, that you maybe didn't want to do. Not all of us think, you know, I'm going to go out today and I'm going to run that one minute hard and I'm going to run those, you know, four minutes at an easy jog. You know, we just might just be inclined to just get our headphones on and go out to the trail and just exist and or whatever the road and just be in the zone of my, my easy paced run, which is good. And we want to do that. But I think that it's exciting and that it's really brings a sense of accomplishment to pepper in, you know, some of those what we call call intervals, I think is the best way to get started or even just changing your terrain a a little bit, like finding a hill in your neighborhood and doing 
three or four hill repeats, something that you wouldn't have done in the past to give you a sense of accomplishment because gosh, that really bleeds over to mental strength when you get to do things like your race, if you have a target 5k or, um, you know, something that you're striving for to think back on those workouts where you challenged yourself a little bit and got a fit, a, a real benefit from it and met the challenge really comes into play when you're not only physically executing your race, but mentally as well. You go, Oh, I remember that. Like just this Saturday I was here with the runners and it was like 35 degrees. And right when everyone walked outside at 7am, the, the group that departs with, with me at 7am, here comes the rain. And I'm thinking, Oh my <laughs> gosh, this, and these are all beginning runners. I'm thinking this is a challenge for any runner weather wise, but here we are, you know, everyone's going to do it. And sure enough, when everyone came back, it's like, God, that's just such a feather in your cap to be like, I didn't want to do it, but I did. I didn't think I could. I didn't think I was ready, but I did it anyway. And and they probably loved it because once you get going out there in the rain, it it's good. fun. It's yeah, fun. it is. Yeah. It's like being a kid. It's like running yeah. around in the rain outside on your block like when you were in second grade. And a lot of running actually on that note is like that. That's another thing I always try to stress to my runners. Y'all, running is fun. Like we do this for fun. Like it's not a, you're an adult, you know, you choose what you're going to do with your free time. And, um, this is what we've chosen, you know, is to be out here doing this running thing. And so if it's not fun or it's not becoming fun, like try to think of a way that it can become fun for you again. Like maybe you just relax all ideas around timing and pace and all that and just run like you did when you were at the bell rang and you were in fifth grade and you ran out to that playground and you knew you were going to find all your friends and just remember that moment when you would run like from your classroom out to the playground. Well, that's what we want to do with running, you know, as much as we can is just to make it carefree, to make it filled with joy. Um, and to really just be thankful that we can move through space and time in that way. And so I think that, you know, just those workouts where we do give ourselves a little bit more of a challenge. I personally feel that that comes in a little bit more because it's not yeah. just the, the, the miles just kind of going. It could be, away. as you said, one day a week where you're mm -hmm. just mixing it up a little yeah, bit. It can come in the bit. form of uh, what we call a fartlek where you're mm -hmm. just for a certain period of time picking it up to a little bit faster pace. Could be 30 seconds, could be a minute and then backing off for a period of time right. until you're recovered and then doing it again, doing six six reps of that or four reps of that to start and and or as you mentioned maybe hills where you're doing mm -hmm. hard up the hill you know a little bit harder pace up the hill easy back down mm -hmm. hard up for four to six reps as a starting place or you know simply using a measured different distance you know we like to do a workout where you might choose a city block and you run hard on two opposing sides of that block right. and then easy on the other two sides and that sort of in and out mm -hmm. or on and off kind of opportunity to run makes it fun. As you said, it also by Works going a little bit system. faster, it improves mm -hmm. efficiency. Yes. You tend to be more economical at faster paces. Naturally, your body mm -hmm. finds that that natural rhythm for itself. And so that will also help improve your form and your efficiency that will, that will make easier paces feel more mm -hmm. comfortable when you go back. So. One thing that I'd like to mention that is a real easy way to work in a um, an interval, like we're talking about, or a little burst of speed, like a fartlek type thing, that's a really, um, it's easy to find a place to do this because all you need is a straight road, right? We do things, something here at Road called strides. And all you need is 
a straightaway and it doesn't even have to be of any specific distance but if you can make it you know 100 meters or so or whatever then then that's good so what you do for a stride is you just find a straight area and for the first third of that set distance you ramp up your speed you know you start in the beginning and you just start going faster while remaining relaxed like the key to a stride is to remain completely relaxed right so put your foot on the gas and when you get to whatever the marker is that you use for the third in the first third then you're going to just keep that pace whatever it is it doesn't have to be super fast you don't have to be running your sprint speed i mean that's not what we're after what we're at what we're after is a faster speed than what we were at when we started so then you hold that speed for that middle third of your distance whatever it is you, know, you can measure driveway to driveway whatever hold it and try to relax in that middle section try to be tall and light and that's going to lead to fast right and try to be efficient in running through that space and time try to avoid clenching and like clenching your teeth and getting real you know your shoulders come up and your hands clench so try to avoid all of that instead just run at your fast pace you're fast for that day pace in the middle and then when you get to that third third you just take your foot off the gas and you just slow down to a walk and there you go you've done a little bit of speed work right there on your city block or whatever your your street that's right there in front of you and yep. you don't have to try to figure anything out and that's just a, such a good way to practice that efficiency and economy that again like you said translates to more efficient running in the future overall and then you can walk back or walk, easy yes. jog mm -hmm. back to the start and repeat that exactly you know, we, we often tell people to start with four of those and then mm -hmm. build up to maybe six or eight and that's another thing about the interval thing about doing these little challenges for yourself is that if you just even just write it down when you get home jot it down a piece of paper make a note in your phone so that way when you do it again in the following you know, subsequent weeks you've got something to challenge yourself against. Okay, last time I did four, so this time I'm going to do five. And we, you have to be careful with that. I mean, we don't, we're not trying to like climb a mountain where we're like <laughs> always adding, 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 adding. You know, we like to build for a couple of weeks, maybe two or three, and then drop, back, drop down for one week and then build up again and then drop back down. So we like to have that, you know, healthy recovery because after all, when we recover is when we become more strong. I mean, we... Our muscles are literally tearing and, you know, growing when we're running and becoming stronger. So you have to allow that muscle fiber to build itself back again to create, you know, new fibers that are stronger and denser and, and better and, and therefore, you know, more efficient for the future and more oxygen carrying blood and all the things that come from, you know, building upon itself. But if we don't work in recovery and also recovery days during your week where you're not running, then you risk overtraining, overuse, and injury. Now, we talked about cross-training to supplement running, which can be a good tool. If you had to suggest one other activity, because we talk about it all the time, it's about the running, but it's also about all the other support mm -hmm. activities, and there's a long list of those things that mm -hmm. you could recommend to people, but so that we don't make it overwhelming for a beginner, what's the one other activity you would recommend them do? Is it stretching? Is it foot drills? Is it foam rolling? Where do you start there? Well, um, the three of those that you mentioned just now, um, foam rolling, excuse me, um, stretching, foot drills, those are all what I define as self-care measures. So to me, those are essential. I don't, I don't recommend compromising that for any reason. 
you've got to stretch. You know, you've got to allow um, your body to release some of those things that you know you've done, whether it's through a, something structured like trigger point or you know foam rolling, um, and all of that. Of course, if you don't know what that means, we could do a whole other episode about all of that. You know, in a different time, but yep. um, you can look all of that up. You know, certainly on YouTube, but those to me is something separate from cross training like that to me is just a self-care measure that you do consistently I would say you know at least three times a week for maybe 10 to 15 minutes but on a cross training sense like which we define as an act any activity other than running I think that for a very beginner something very low um low impact and restorative like yoga is great um, because it is, that is also, that is also exercise. I mean, that's an active practice. It's not just, you know, sitting on your floor and, and doing your stretches and stuff. Um, so that could be a good one, but me personally, and what I really like to see run, runners do if they can is to element incorporate an element of strength training, whether that is something that you're just utilizing body weight. Maybe you find a program on YouTube, a 15 minute program. That's like a core program. Um, to help solidify that middle section of our body, which is the only stationary thing, you know, that's standing still when we're in running motion or walking motion. Um, or if it's going to a gym class and, you know, utilizing weights or just, you know, using free weights in your home. I think the resistance that comes from weight training really translates well into providing a different type of strength that's going to help you with your running. So if you can do some type of structural thing in, and you know, it can be even as simple as something like, like you were mentioning earlier, step ups, lunges, push ups, planks, um, you know, doing little things that you can do in your backyard. I mean, that all counts and that's all helpful. So even just a short list of those, um, are great. And we have, you know, several that we kind of roll out to our runners in this um, program that we lead here over time so they can find what works for them and what works best for their bodies. But um, really just anything else, because your body does need a different type of, you know, a, a stimulus on, it, yeah. on itself. I will point mm-hmm. out that if people go to our website under resources, mm-hmm. we have a tab called Rogue Routines that has our recommended foot drill routine, which helps work on ankle strength and mobility to reduce some of those lower leg injuries that might pop up. We have a stretching routine on there that we recommend doing post-workout. And we also have some very basic foam rolling techniques that Mm -hmm. you can use as a starting place if you want to add that to your routine to help stay healthy and consistent. The main thing I always emphasize is that one thing done consistently is better than eight things done inconsistently. So yes, that's so good. Add yeah. one piece <laughs> to your routine, yeah. make it stick, and then as you can, add more or mm-hmm. maybe adjust and and try something else for a period of time just to experiment and see what really works for you. I do find that these self care measures, as you call them, are very personal and individualized, mm-hmm. and what. I need versus what you need post run to stay healthy are going to be very different. And so we do have to experiment with these different modalities to see what makes us feel good so that we can keep going. And then we find that once we find that routine, be consistent with it. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot about the how. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to finish up with the why. And really you could probably have started with the why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Because the why is, you know, why do we keep doing this and why, do we start? Why do we 
keep doing? Why do we, how does that why evolve over time that, you know, the why becomes an ever present theme that can evolve as your running journey evolves. And I think it's really important to have a crystal clear vision, regardless of where you are, whether you're starting or whether you're experienced as to why you do this. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it can start out very simply, like I'm doing this to lose weight or I'm doing this to be healthy or I'm doing this to just set an example for my children or whatever it may be. Those reasons can be pretty simple. They don't have to be huge answers to existential questions about right. why you're here on this planet. But spending some time reflecting on that why at the beginning of your journey is important because then that gives you a, a home base to come back to when you struggle with inconsistency, when you want to turn the alarm off and not wake up, when you maybe miss a day, but then need to get back on it the next day so that you don't create this inconsistent stretch during your, your journey. So talk about the why for you and how do you talk about it with new runners? Well, you know, I think the why is just such, you know, the beautiful part of running, right? I mean, and and it comes to everyone in a different way. But for me, you know, the why is because at at its root sense is because I can. I just feel that for me, I feel so thankful that I'm able to stand, that I'm able to move, that I'm healthy enough to run. And that I'm, you know, and what I mean by that is, I'm not in a hospital bed. I'm not, you know, I don't have a chronic illness that's preventing me from from moving through space in a way that makes me happy. So um, I always just like to start off with that with new runners is just remembering to be so honoring and thankful of what they do have, no matter where they're starting from, that that there is is something to be to be celebrated, right? Even before you've even taken a step, the fact that you can is so key. So, um, I agree with you that it, it looks completely different for every single person and you have to find that, you know, like within yourself of like, you know, am I doing this for better nutrition? Am I, or, or excuse me, am I going to do this, you know, to have a better, a healthier lifestyle? Am I going to do this to sleep better? Am I going to do this to be an example or just to lose weight? I mean, all of those are, like you said, pretty common, but I just want to remind you all um, about how moving and life-changing running can be if you let it. Like That's one thing that we do say here at Rogue, and I've always felt so privileged to be able to do, is to be on this journey of life-changing moments, you know, life-changing experiences through the sport of running. And it's just, to me, if you will, if you will just buy into this, that running is so much bigger than just the self. It's so much more important. Um, the way that you will improve as a person from running is deep. Um, you're happier. You're more relaxed. That bleeds over into your work, into your home life, to people you interact with. Um, those wonderful endorphins that we get when we run. Oh my gosh. That's so much of the time. If I'm having a bad day, I just go for a run and I feel better because I did something for myself. And of course, scientifically we do have those endorphins that really do make us feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you can just believe and know that 
if you do this sport, if you want to try it and you and you give it a chance, I truly believe that you're going to find some of this beauty that comes from that's not really explainable until you start, until you get on this journey, until you, you know, join us in this, you know, awesome quest of, of life, you know, through running. So the why, again, I mean, it's hard to define, but for me, that's what it's about. And for you, that may not make any sense. That muscle <laughs> might be a bunch of bumbo No, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it is. It's a vehicle for life change. And if you open yourself up to the fact that this is more than the, the running, yes. it's more than just the movement. Just allow yourself to and consider that. And I think to tap into that, you need to embrace the process, to be consistent, to give it a chance, to sign up for a race, put yourself out there, mm-hmm. to set goals and be willing to fail at those goals, to find others that you can connect with through the activity of running. You do need to open yourself up to those things to make it about more than just than just running. But if you do, then it's a vehicle for life change. It will give you power in so many ways outside of the activity itself that are impossible to explain or understand that are going to manifest differently for each person, but that will change your life. It's so true. And that's the magic for me as a coach is to Mm -hmm. see that happen in people and to see it happen for them in different ways over time too, as they experience different levels in their journey. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful. The one thing I caution people about on this question of why is that, in my opinion, it's not sustainable if you're doing it for someone else. Uh-huh. If you're doing it because your partner wants you to or a family member thinks you should, mm-hmm. that can get you started, but it's not sustainable. You've got to f- have your own reasons mm-hmm. for doing it. And so that would be one cautionary I would say is, sure, if somebody's like, hey, if a friend of yours is like, hey, you need to do this, let's do this together, that can get you started but it's not going to keep you going unless you then find your own reason apart from that person. And so that would be the one encouragement I would offer is that, you know, just make sure it's about you and it could be about connecting to others because that's what you want to find, but you shouldn't be doing it because someone else wants to connect to you or Mm -hmm. because they think you need to do it. That's not a recipe for long-term success. I think. I completely agree with that, you know, because at the end of the day, it is your journey, right? I always say that it's your run, it's your race, it's your journey. So finding that why and how it connects deeply to you is beautiful. And you know what? Also, it's okay if you don't have something that's, you know, even if your why is something so simple, you know, something just very basic, that is a why. It doesn't have to be, you know, to to feel this on this deep level like we do because I do believe that you will get there. I really, really do. But, um, just knowing that no matter what the reason is just to get out your door and just to start, just to go and just give yourself a chance to open yourself up to this world, a possibility that may be through running for you is, is such a beautiful gift you can give yourself. Take the first step. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. No. It's, it's going to be hard. There are going <laughs> to yeah. be moments when you don't want to do it. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be times where you think you can't. But that's a part of the beauty of the process, too, is that you're if you keep doing it, if you keep stepping through it, you'll overcome those things. And then that builds confidence that then mm-hmm. 
also impacts you in other ways. So, and also what in life isn't right? What, what (laughs) is, what's super easy all the time? Nothing. Right. I mean, so just on that reality basis, we have to say, yeah, it's going to have peaks and valleys, but just stay the course and, and enjoy the journey. So we'll leave it with a quote you'd written down here in your outline, which I alluded to a little bit, at least in terms of what Bill Bauman said. But you say here in your notes, if you're human, you're a runner. Mm-hmm. And just like Bill Bauman said, if you are if you have a body, you're an athlete. And so if you're listening to this, own that. Take that first step. Hopefully this was helpful. If you're in Austin, come check us out. We've got plenty of options opportunity for you to, to to work with us including Marilyn herself through our couch to 5k program you can find more info on that at roguerunning.com of course but if you're not here find a program near you and just get started there you go thanks Marilyn for joining us thank you so much for having me it was a real pleasure awesome well I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Marilyn maybe learn some things maybe either learn something you can use yourself to get started or maybe something you can help others to get started with. So take it, pass it along, get started, find a friend, and just take that first step. It's definitely the hardest one, as I've seen with many, many athletes here at Rogue through the years. All right, so there you go. That is episode 114 of the Running Rogue podcast. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.